morning, everybody. It's Herb Morgan, Monday, January 30th, 2023. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. As a reminder, you can follow me intraweek on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. This is available as both a subscription-based weekly email that comes with charts and graphs and all of those things, but if you prefer the audio only, you can tell any smart device to play Herb Morgan's podcast or play Slaying Bulls and Bears podcast, and that will uh, get it going for you. The presentation you're about to see and or hear has been prepared by me for use with you, whether you are a investor or a financial advisor. Regardless, you're expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. The information contained in the presentation is for informational purposes only. There's no tax advice, and investors should be advised to consult their own tax advisor regarding consequences of their investment decisions. We had a great week, and that's turned into a great year as we wind up the first month of 2023 today. If it holds, we're up 6% in the S&P 500 in the first month of the year, despite the headwinds of the Fed raising interest rates, a significantly slowing economic backdrop, and earnings uh, and earnings estimates that are declining. We're going to get into all of those things today, but despite that, the market's up. We're going to talk about that. You can see the bond market also up for the week and for the year. Interesting developments. So a lot of the fundamental things that people are predicting, including us, are happening, but the market's not responding the way you would think it would. The market's actually been rallying. So it's got a lot of folks questioning. We are up significantly from the lows back in October. You can see here around 3,600 all the way up to about 4,100, pretty significant percentage increase. I had mentioned last week that if we broke above the 12-1 high, that could signal the reversal of the downtrend in the bear market. The 50-day moving average, which is the orange line, is headed higher. And if it crossed above the 200, and all you know, the price was above the 50, which would be above the 200. That could be the, the sign of the, the end of the bear market, the beginning of a bull market. But the S&P didn't do that. It got right up, right up to the edge there. The high on 12.1 was 4,100 intraday high. We got right there, 4,094. But we didn't cross through it. The 200-day hasn't moved higher, and the 50-day is not above the 200-day. And sure enough, as we look at futures this morning, Monday the 30th, markets are selling off and going a little bit lower. Despite that, though, when you look at the breadth of this rally we've experienced since late uh, third quarter, early fourth quarter, you see that it's very broad-based. And even some of the industries like communications and technology, the sectors like communications and technology, that are experiencing some earnings difficulty, and we expect some more earnings challenges, they're still moving higher. And we've got about almost 70% of the S&P 500 stocks are now above their 200-day moving average. That's up from only about 12 or 13% a couple of months ago. Very significant broad-based rally. And economic data continues to be soft, 
But most of the data reported last week was a little better than expected. We're going to start with S&P Global's U.S. manufacturing flash reading, PMI for January. January is not over. Um, it ends today. But uh, still went up from 46.2 to 46.8. Now, that still says manufacturing contracted, but it was less of a contraction than expected. 46.8 is a better reading than 46. And you can see it, it could signal a little inflection there because um, it was up month over month. The same could be said uh, for services. The S&P Global Flash Services PMI was expected to come in at 45, came in at 46.6, a little better than expected, still showed modest contraction, modest contraction. And then there's that jobs market. It continues to hold up strong despite the headwinds of um, money supply contraction, despite the headwinds of higher short-term interest rates set by the Federal Open Market Committee, uh, despite the economic slowdown that's pretty much global at this point. So we have weekly claims for unemployment well below 200,000 and well better than expected. Continuing claims are fine as well. If you were just looking at this, you certainly wouldn't say this is a recession, right? Look, go back to the recession of the COVID-related shutdown. You know, we had over a million jobless claims in a week. That's, that's over a year, so that's cut off. It's over two years, so it's cut off. Um, GDP report last week said that fourth quarter GDP rose 2.9%. It was on top of a 3.2% gain in the third quarter, hardly recessionary. Inventory growth. Exports grew, government spending all boosted it. Really, it was residential investment or housing that was the only negative part. And that, of course, is the most susceptible to the higher interest rates. And we've had certainly a slew of rate hikes. Take a look at a breakdown by component and contribution to GDP. This net exports, remember when we had those two negative quarters, Q1 and Q2? We had net we had net exports being a real negative that was supply chain uh, related back there in the first quarter of 21. Um, inventory drawdowns in the second quarter of 22. Um, okay, and then we've had positive GDP. And if you look at the fourth quarter of 22, the only thing that was a subtraction was housing. So very interesting indeed. And this part of the reason the markets continue to rally is they get more and more, they get closer and closer to the end of the Fed rate hike cycle. Without a recession, markets continue to like that. Okay, let's move on. Durable goods orders uh, for the month of December gained 5.6%. That was more than double what was expected. Takeout transportation, though, they did fall a tenth of a percent. New home sales, which remember, it said that the worst part of the slowdown that felt in the housing industry, if you have no people that are realtors or escrow people or loan brokers or agents, um, new home builders uh, all had a very tough go of it with the rate hikes. But despite that, new home sales rose 2.3% uh, in December, and they were expected to drop 4.4. This is a third straight monthly gain. You can see over here on the right, get there you go one two three where it is one two three months um, however in all of 22 new home sales fell about 16 percent and pending home sales are starting to turn around as interest rates have come down from their highest levels 
pending home sales rose 2.5%, expected to go down 1%. And you can see we haven't had an up month, really, since the middle of 2021. So that was a surprise to the market last week and also contributed to the rally. Personal income rose. Personal spending fell a little bit. Uh, but without job losses, you just don't have big declines in income, and you certainly don't have big declines in spending in the world's largest consumer economy. Now, speaking of the consumer, the consumer is all about inflation. You know, what the Federal Reserve is trying to do with both interest rate hikes and balance sheet runoff is to slow economic demand, which would translate into a removal of inflationary pressures in the economy. And they're clearly having success. In fact, the data is starting to suggest that inflation is falling a little faster than expected. December, PCE price index was up a tenth of a percent, so right almost in line with the zero, ex uh, zero percent expectations. Year-over-year -year gains in PCE are now down to 5% versus the year-over-year -year gains just a few months ago that were at 7%. The core PCE, which matters far more, was up three-tenths of a percent, unfortunately, but that's down to a 4.4% annualized inflation uh, rate. So um, this is seen as a positive, and it seems, it's seen as giving the Fed the cover to sort of stop the rate hikes. But the Fed's saying, well, we've, we haven't had any impact on employment, so we can continue to raise rates in order to be ultra sure that we take care of the inflation problem. Uh, of course, the downside is they could raise rates and restrict economic activity to the extent that it ultimately leads to a recession. And that continues to be the debate among, among economists and among market participants and investors, et cetera. But to give you an idea, you know, one of the old famous quotes in economics is from an economist, late economist, Milton Friedman. He's always quoted with his statement that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomena. Now, most people stop there when they read that quote and loosely interpret it. It means when money supply grows, there's more money, there's less value to money, that's inflation. When money supply contracts, then you have the disinflation. Well, because of COVID, we had massive monetary response and massive monetary stimulus such that the M2 money supply in the United States, the, you know, we gave people money and just put it in their accounts, and stimulus payments and stimulus checks. We just printed money. And so money supply grew more than 25% in a single year. Well, there's no doubt that would cause inflation. In Europe, money supply grew about 12.5% in a very short period of time, year-over-year -year growth basis. U.S. money supply, for the first time in 30 years, has a negative year-over-year -year growth. Well, if the growth in the printing of money causes inflation, then the destruction of money supply must be disinflationary. Uh, I wouldn't quite go to say deflationary just yet, but it has to be, and we're seeing the evidence of that. But back to the Milton Friedman quote for, for a moment. It says inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomena in the sense that it can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. You need to increase your money supply to, to, to facilitate growth in an economy. 
But by contracting the money supply, you limit your ability of your economy to grow. They do that on purpose at this point because they want to contain inflation. That is the statutory objective of the Federal Reserve. And we're in a global economy, so it's not just the U.S. Here's European M3 money supply, year-over-year growth. You can see it is down from that more than 12% rate back in late 20, early 21. That's down to four. They haven't gone negative. But they tend to be behind the U.S. in the cycle. Both the ECB and the U.S., actually as well as the Bank of England, all have rate decisions this week. I expect the U.S. will raise rates 25 basis points, and then maybe one more rate hike next month. The Europeans are likely to raise rates more, probably 50 basis points. Okay, we also got Michigan sentiment last week. Consumer sentiment rose, surprisingly. You can see we're, we're, we're really quite a ways off the depths of the sentiment uh, bottom, which was almost a year ago now, about 10 months ago. Largely, I would say that's due to the rollover in year-over-year inflation. And with earnings season underway, we're doing okay. I'd say there's some better than expected. You can see 99 out of 143 names that have reported have beat. 38 have uh, failed to impress analysts and have underperformed expectations. The average earnings surprise is about 2% above expectations. The problem, though, is that earnings expectations and estimates continue to get pummeled. They continue to go lower and lower. There's concerns about the slowdown, there's concerns about higher rates, there's concerns about many, many things out there. But this week, we're going to have about 104 names. So this is it. This is the big week of earnings. It's also the big week of economic data. So this week, I would say, the most important week so far of 2023 as far as investors are concerned. Big names this week, Apple, Corvo, Advanced micro devices, McDonald's and Cat- McDonald's for the consumer, Caterpillar uh, for the for industrials, uh, Meta, which is Facebook, Google, Amazon, big tech and communications names. But this graph shows you what I've been talking about: the estimated earnings per share of the S and P 500. So that's a consensus estimate of analysts going forward. Back in June, the 12-month forward was 200 and almost $230 a share. Well, that's now down all the way to $215 a share and dropping. So, of course, as that drops, it's a little easier to beat. Uh, now, you say, are we beating estimates? Well, we're beating estimates as of you know a few days before they were reported. We're not beating estimates as of where they were 6 or 8 or 10 or 12 months ago. So the question becomes, can this rally continue if earnings are continuing to drift lower? So is it, is it the, the sentiment associated with the end of the Fed rate hikes and the view that maybe a soft landing is possible and that earnings will likely trough and recover? Or is this big rally we've just experienced simply um, a lot of CTAs and technical type uh, investors who find themselves underweight equities while it's rallying and they're forced to sort of buy into that rally. I think it all comes down to this week. Um, it's why we never want to be all in in terms of cash or all levered um, is because, the, you know, you can get the fundamentals right and then the market can do something entirely difference, why we tended to be a little bit more cautious and a little bit more long-term oriented here uh, at Canter Fitzgerald Investment Advisors. 
So in addition to big earnings this week, uh, starting tomorrow on Tuesday, we've got housing data, Chicago PMI, more consumer data to go with that uh, Michigan uh, from last week. Employment cost index is important. Big jobs reports, both on Wednesday from ADP and on Friday from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. We're looking at both are looking at around 175, 180, 185,000 um, ads in the month of January. We've got the final readings uh, from S&P Global and ISM on both manufacturing, which is Wednesday, and then uh, services coming later on Friday. Jolt's job opening still expected above 10 million. Biggest action of all, really not the Fed rate uh, decision on Wednesday, which we firmly believe is 25 basis points. But the language in the speech at the end of the meeting uh, auto sales expected to rebound pretty significantly, getting up to 14 million. Uh, we've got labor costs, important, uh, but you can just see just lots and lots of big economic data this week, along with earnings of very big companies. Um, so it'll determine whether or not. Remember that chart at the beginning of that? You know, we're right there at that that precipice of moving into a bull market or just hitting that ceiling and selling off a little bit more. And I got to tell you, I'm about 50/50 in my expectations. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <clears throat> we'll be back to you again next week.